Welcome to part two of my chat with songwriter Lindy Robbins, who worked on Britney Spears' track, Unbroken. Welcome to The Original Doll, where I unpackage pop music and pop moments. We also were able to play exclusive content from those songwriters, producers, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. And don't forget, follow me on Patreon, patreon.com dash doll to be able to get exclusive content, to have exclusive discussions, and possible one-on-one Zooms with me as we talk all things Britney Spears, The Princess of Pop, and more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stay and then follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? I think I remembered better, but I think he did have a track. And I think that I just started hearing the melody and I'm pretty sure he did hear some melodies as well. And those lyrics came and we just organically wrote it together in the studio. It was just, it's a blur. I'm falling again. Just I, well, and I love, and it's, it's funny because something like this, where it's like, you know, us fans, we've heard the song so many times. Like, I can play it right now sort of thing. I don't, I don't actually play it. I have no musical talent whatsoever. I leave that to everyone else. I have the ability to buy things. That's that's my musical ability. <laughs> I love it. We need you. We need you. Otherwise, you know, it's like a movie, take a movie and there's nobody to watch it. Well, and it was like, this is just one artist. So just imagine, like, there's all these other artists, you know, from Selena to, like, NSYNC Backstreet Boys. And even before, like, for me, Alanis Morissette, like there are these artists that like, that have been with me for my whole life journey where I really love it. And when I was going back and reading the lyrics for Unbroken, I was like, I'd heard many people that I've interviewed talk about Unbroken, other songwriters that were like, Unbroken, we thought it was, we thought it was a set. Like we thought that's, that's definitely taken a spot from like from something. Oh, my sad it makes me sad that it never really was what it should have been it makes it makes no sense and i know from other people and there have been engineers and people i've had a lot of people that have reached out because they've listened to the podcast and said we just like that you're pro songwriters pro producers and i go i like telling people stories because i feel like we should humanize the songwriters because then we as the consumers can say let's make sure that they're getting paid a fair wage let's make sure that these people are, are getting the credit that they deserve and so i i looked at it because i was a liner geek i would go through and be like wait gad was on this one wait is this kirkpatrick is that chris kirkpatrick or ian kirkpatrick you like i would go back and forth and all it's these so nice because nowadays people yeah they don't you know they don't know and that's the thing it's hard to find out who the songwriters are when it's on Spotify, when it's, I mean, you know. Yeah, you can look on Wikipedia usually, but sometimes the information is not there and sometimes it's not even right. Well, and the thing is, well, that's what I was going to say. Oftentimes I've seen it where it's not right. I know that somebody had posted, they were like, Unbroken, they said it was written by Casey Musgraves and like yeah, Ariana I Grande. Thought, I, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I thought something like that. Right now. I was like, maybe it's the same title, but I don't think so. No. Um, and and it's just funny. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the the lyrics of Unbroken because what I like is this song to me could easily fit on any Britney album because you wrote it from such a true, a true genuine moment 
And I liked, I liked that for me as, as the, the listener, because it wasn't too specific where I'm out. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's like, oh, you drove a motorcycle. It's like, well, I've never dated a guy that drove a motorcycle. So I'm checked out of that song. You know what I mean? Right, right. So with this, what I loved is that the, the, the lyrics, you put the pieces back together and make me feel like I was never open. You make me feel unbroken. as Britney fans with everything in the world and everything, it's like, oh my God, this is like, I think that's why we Britney fans hold it close to us. Because like I said, if you go online and see the comments, people are like, this was a- I'm totally gonna do that later, by the way. I'm totally gonna go on and look at all this stuff. I've had, and I will screenshot you and send you comments from people saying, can- Please do. And the thing is, I was amazed at how many people we're still actively interested in a song that's 10 years old that was not a single, that was not on the album. It means that they kept having to actively listen to it, which they it means they had to be proactive because Spotify, Apple, they're not playing it. So these people that oh, hold your so song dear. <laughs> I'm gonna have to like, I'm gonna email Fraser after this and just be like, do you know this song has like all following and everything? You, like You should and tell him because I've he follows me on Twitter. And I'm just like, please, what can I do? Because I'm like, I know for a fact people would first of all buy the song, which just is beneficial for everyone. And, but it's also, it's something special that an artist that has that has gone through public ups and downs, that people go, this fit Britney, this fit her story, and this fit our story as, as fans of. I think it probably was when she was going through a divorce, if I remember correctly. From so I think that's one of the things that inspired the whole concept of it for her. Well, yeah. Did you recall, did you recall if you heard any of the other songs around that? No, time? they never you I I don't think that we heard anything to my that was that was something where Casey was like on circus, they were updating. She's like, I was working in this room you know, working on Unusual You and next door was Claude Kelly with Circus. And then it was Chris uh, Brown and Andre uh, that he was in the next room working on like these other songs. And she was saying, I, we were getting updated about that. But for Femme Fatale, it was like, there was really nothing. They just knew Max Martin is taking the helm with Dr. Luke and it's going to be a more pop driven And that's force. probably why we didn't make it because they probably, when you ever, you have executive producers, you know, and listen, I'd probably do the same thing, but th that's probably what happened is they, they want their own songs on there and their own writer songs on it. And it wasn't the label as I'm it's coming back to me, it was a label and they were just picking the best songs. I'm not saying that there weren't great songs or anything bad about anybody, but. Um, Unbroken is one of the best. Unbroken <laughs> is in my, my Unbroken is in my top five Britney songs of all time. I mean, all oh time. my gosh, thank you so much. And it's so often is political. So I do remember now that they were executive producing 
So of course they had their writers and their songs and their people songs. And so they, she was probably at a camp. I never was at a camp. It was just Frazier and I that, that for some reason we're writing the song for, for to pitch for Britney or he had some kind of an in or something that I don't remember. But, um, and I, we wrote a different, another song too, which, um, yeah, it was never released in any way, but yeah. And like I said, I have no idea who, who leaked. the problem is, I don't think he could release it because the label has to release it. We can't release things on our own. I mean, maybe he can put the, the, I don't even think you can put the, uh, mastered version because there's people then that have to get paid for mastering and mixing it. And no, 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 This is a rare instance where we just let a leak go. Cause now, like I said, there's other songs that have leaked that we've now taken down you can't take them down but this one we're like let it go let it go well and it's so it's so crazy to me to think because there are times where people are like oh I knew about this song or that song and so many times the sad part is some of the the fans and I know I've had it where you know these upcoming songwriters or a, a producers like oh I wrote five Britney song demos you can buy them here and then you find out that they were like I could say right now, I'm writing a song for Britney Spears. That doesn't actually mean- Right, like, of course. <laughs> yeah, I go, I mean, you can say for anybody. And the thing is, if, you know, somebody in executive A&R, you know, Karen Quack or, or uh, Teresa Barbara Whites, where these people would be like, oh, yeah, we did work with or blah, blah, blah. Then the next step is, was it actually cut? Because that's something that fewer people can say. Right. They may have, the label may have loved it. And they said, I mean, there have been other songs around where like, oh, they love it. Or Britney loves it. She's going to do it. But then they never, she never cut it. I mean, the fact that she actually, I was like so excited when she like cut and broke. And I'm like, oh my. And I was just, I'm like, God, they'll use it for something. But, you know, like you said, like the Japanese bonus target pre-sale something. But. I don't know. This one. Put it on the vinyl. I mean, I buy all the versions of everything possible. So I know. I know. I mean, so when you wrote the song and, and you and Fraser worked on it, how long from that point do you recall to where she cut it to where it was leaked or you found out that it wasn't going to be on the album? Like, how long was that whole? I don't think it was thing? that long. From what I remember, you know, we wrote it and they were like finishing the record. So it may have been a matter of months. I don't remember exactly, mm. but then it was year. And we were like, well, there's nothing we can do with this or we'll just pitch the original demo um, to somebody else. But then I think it was years later, we learned that it had leaked, but that there had been so many streams and we were just like, again, like now I proudly say I've had a Britney Spears guy because, you know. work in a time where you would be able to normally see these artists or write with them. How has that changed your process or has it if you're songwriting from if you're going to be at home versus when you would go to the studio or versus a writing camp? How does that change? Well, I mean, I'm glad that it's only been a year. I mean, a year is forever and a year goes fast. Like, I feel like 
in June in my, you know, I predict that in Los Angeles, at least in June, I think people will start to be back in the room. I know some people have been back in the room. You know, for me, it doesn't change all that much because enough people have been doing, we've been doing stuff on Zoom. We've been still writing great songs. I mean, I mean, nothing could take the place of being, I, I'm ex, if it was five years or like even three years or even one more, I think we're all going crazy. But like the first three months, I was just paralyzed because nobody knew. We thought, you know, when a package arrived, we were going to get COVID touching it. We were afraid to yep. do it. We were afraid to leave the house. We didn't know what it was. Terrified and little by little. But then discovering Zoom, I think all songwriters are just like amazed because it can be really incredible. Like, again, Here's a guy from Amsterdam. Here's a guy from Norway. Like, like now when they're like, okay, we want you to work with this artist. Who do you suggest for the producer? And I'll be like, oh, I love so-and-so. He lives in Norway or, or Stockholm or like Nashville. It doesn't matter. So it's, it's in, I do think that that's something really, really positive that's happened. And then you have to figure out, you know, with the, not as many artists are writing via Zoom. So a lot of this year has been just like, writing great songs that you know building up my catalog um and i do very much look forward to getting back in the room and i'm actually it's funny because i'm really i've always most of my hits is the 80 percent have been just written by the songwriters and then if you know like the selena stuff she didn't write on demi didn't write on um there's a big time rush didn't write on there's a lot of them um, but then there's a lot that they went in later to change it. But I usually, I'm trying to think except Nick Lachey, like I'm looking around to see like where, when was I actually in the room? Like my first song that I ever was like, wasn't a hit, but to me it was a big deal. Cinderella by the you know, Cheetah Goes. That was my first like song that was out there that really means something to me. And I mean, I was, Dua, I was in, in the room with Dua, which was amazing. Um, I wasn't in the room with Astrid. That was, but then I got to be in the room with her after One Direction. When I did with, I was in the room with Five Seconds of Summer, which was amazing. I did write with those guys in London. It was amazing. It was like their first thing. One Direction, we were very young. We were in the room with them in the beginning. And then later I would go to London and work with some people and then they would finish it later with them. So mm -hmm. it's just always different. How? So, yeah. It's, it's, it's how, but how do you, because I mean, I look at this now, by the way, for the, the listeners, I've created a Spotify playlist for those international people that only have access to Spotify. I have put all of your songs that are available in the US and Spotify. There are, this is this is how many songs you've written on here, 165, and that is not every single one that you've done. That's only the ones that available on there. And that's 10 hours of music. Hopping in again to let you know that you can find the playlist from these episodes on my Patreon on the free tier. So patreon.com dash the original doll there are this is this is how many songs you've written on here 165 and that is not every single one that you've done that's only the ones that available on there and that's 10 hours of music so on spotify you'll have to like send it to me because i want to see it too and it's and it's in chronological order i put it now there might be a couple where my computer was being a little bit of a jerk so i know sometimes when i tried adding it, it was like adding the song underneath so there might be something you're like no i did these two clay aiken songs not the third okay. it's probably just because it was a glitch but i mean i can look at this and just the amount of people you've worked with and this is like this is your life sort of thing it's 
you know, Audrey McDonald, Anastasia, Lisa Loeb, Faith Hill, Clay Aiken, Jesse McCartney, Shaggy, Nicole Scherzinger, Backstreet Boys, Brie Larson, Captain Marvel, Nick Lachey, Jordan Sparks, Backstreet Boys, Von Hunt, uh, Brandy, Chris Allen, Selena Gomez and the scene, also Selena Gomez solo, Leona Lewis, uh, Girls' Generation, Matthew Morrison, David Cook. I mean, legitimately, and I'm probably only in like 2011 sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like- No, no, I feel like, wow, you know, cause you know, no matter how long you do it, you still feel like, oh, you know, been a bad week or nothing's been cut for like whatever. You always have ups and downs and I never feel like, oh, I've done, I I don't know why. I'm just always like, what's next? Like, what can I create now? Well, like, I have never seen as many diverse group of people reaching out to me. Like I said, I didn't tell everyone. I told like small group of people. I'm like, hey, if you have any questions, let me know and I'll see if I can work them in. I had theater people that were Audrey McDonald, Dina Menzel fans. I had the UK pop girls that were like Ali Murs ask about that. I had emo teens oh and twenties asking about B. B. Arthur, B. Miller. <laughs> that shows my age. B. Arthur. <laughs> but oh, yeah. and and it's like and I had people R and B style where it's like Fantasia, Andra Day. You have all these, and I've not those people that I've mentioned. We haven't even really touched upon your gigantic global hit. You know, I haven't mentioned Cheyenne. Like for me, I love Cheyenne. Yes, yeah, whatever Cheyenne. it is. Oh, that was a, Cheyenne's a tough it one. Was, we we got dwarfed by our own song. Like they released it and Want to Want Me just wouldn't die and it crushed Cheyenne. And I w must say that is one of the few times I've seen where the single sold like 250,000K more in the UK than it did the US for an American artist. So it's like, it was rocking. It was rocking every, like it was number one in different places. I think it was like top five here, which is not bad at all. No, it's amazing. It's always funny to think, I always see songs and go, if it's number one in the US, there's a huge chance that there are other countries. And then all of a sudden cool. this one, it's big all over the place and it's still big in the US, but I was like, what in the world? And Cheyenne, and you had a few, like a string of songs with him that and for me it was it was more pop forward than than I knew him to be for like want you to want me yeah yeah but it was but what I liked is that it was still I I knew his voice I knew his tone yeah. I mean I think you know if I bet the label picked it and and persuaded him to do it and then he made it his own because you know, and then it ended up being like massive. And then now he's just had Savage Love, which was another really pop song. But I mean, Jason can do anything. I mean, but cats, I think- Cats, Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know, I know. He, and the thing is, I think that there are those, those performers, especially male performers, where we anticipate Christina Aguilera to go do a musical of some kind. You know, we expect that. But when it's, when it's men, especially in the R&B, you know, genre, I feel like they really don't. And the thing is, I look at like Usher. I look at, you know, Chris Brown vocally. Chris Brown vocals, am amazing control of his voice and everything. And I just think you're somebody who's been able to work with these wide range of voices. And in all of these songs I've mentioned, you've written in such a way that I feel like that is, you know, Jason Derulo singing that it is Demi Lovato singing her true story because it was the perfect time for that song 
to find the vessel to take home. Yeah. I mean, it was like two years after it was written. I mean, sometimes it takes a little while. Incomplete took a little while. There's some, you know, songs that get cut right away. Want to Want Me was right away. And then there's some that take a little while, you know? Was there was there ever a song that you were just like, I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't know if it's going to work. And then you were like happily surprised where you were just like, Want to Want Me. I'd say Want to Want Me. Um, I didn't, had no idea it was going to be such a big hit. And um, that's probably, yeah, it took me, now I'm a huge fan. In the beginning, I was like, I don't know. It took me a while to like, and I try to think, I mean, gosh, I don't know. But I mean, not, and not many people can say. Well, you think somebody's, something is going to be a huge hit that's not. And then that happens sometimes too. How do we, how would you like us as consumers to help? or to support your songwriting as if you were just, you know, you just had your first cut. Like, how can we, in today's world, coming from a songwriter, what can we as the consumer do to help songwriters? I mean, so that they stay songwriters. It's a tough one. In the, in, in, I don't remember how long ago it was where we had a big, big problem with people illegally downloading. And that was like a huge issue. But that doesn't exist anymore. So that's one thing that sort of got fixed. I feel like it's, um, it really, the problems right now are more on the on the label, the way that things are split, the streaming companies. It's not really the consumers. I mean, just keep doing what you're doing of, of don't leak songs. I mean, I know that this was a good thing, ended up being a good thing with Unbroken, but you have to realize when you somehow illegally get a song and leak it, that sometimes, you know, we, we can never get, that song can never be cut by anybody or never be monetized in any way. This was an exception. Um, so I would say be respectful in that way of leaking things. We've all had so many songs leaked. I don't know where people get them. How? Do, what is the best way, in your opinion, for us to stream? Like, do you think Spotify is a better platform right now or Apple? Like, Apple's better. Um, I think they pay the songwriter a little bit better. Again, I am not like a super expert, but I believe that they are give a better share to the songwriters than Spotify do. I wanted to jump in for a moment quickly to talk about the supporting of songwriters. As you all have noticed by listening to the original doll is I've asked each of the songwriters, you know, how do we support you as a songwriter, as an artist, as a producer? And the first thing that comes up is almost always the physical copies, whether it's the the vinyl, the cassette, the CD, that sort of thing. Then the next level is the actual download, paying to download that song. Then last is streaming. Now, the thing to keep in mind is, as you've learned in this this show, is there are many people behind the scenes. So although you can have recording artist A, maybe recording artist A isn't the songwriter behind it. You have songwriter one, two, three, and four. And maybe that's their first big cuts. That's their way of making money. So when you think, well, eh, recording artist A has made enough money, I'll just, you know, get it from somebody else, or I'll just stream it. But the thing is, you're not helping these younger songwriters out. And if you have that ability to buy the physical or buy the download, do that if you can. 
The other thing too is look at the Patreon options for these recording artists. I have a Patreon created to help support this podcast. Uh, it's basically me, myself, and I. Uh, myself recording, editing, researching, setting up these uh, chats with all these amazing uh, artists. And the thing to keep in mind is somebody is ultimately always looking to try to help create music, create art. So if you want to help those artists, support them, the physical the downloads, see what other projects they're on. Are they on a Kickstarter? Are they on a crowdfunding? Whatever that may be. Just do it that way. The other thing too is share, as in share their Instagram page, share their official page, share a post that they did. That requires really no funding whatsoever. So share and help promote them. The great thing is many of you have reached out to me you are liner geeks, if you will. You're people that look at who's the songwriter, who's the producer, what was done during this time, what song was scrapped. So this podcast has really been uh, a love letter to those things, to all the behind the scenes people. And that's why it's called The Original Doll. You know, for many people, they're like, why is that? You know, there was this Britney Spears album that was being created and that was ultimately scrapped. And have no fear, there's going to be an up and coming episode in which I talk about that whole album and the whole production era. So make sure to subscribe to be notified right away. But the main thing is so much stuff happens behind the scenes. We are people that are like, oh, who wrote that? And then we check out the other songs. Oh, wait, this went from this artist to that artist. Wow, I didn't know that. Or like when we talked about Skyscraper, Demi Lovato song, but you hear Jordan Sparks singing backgrounds on it, you know, co-written by Curly. Songs go through evolutions, and that's the other reason why I call it the original doll, is I go behind the packaging. I take apart that product and show you all the bits and pieces that create this music and these pop moments. So don't forget, patreon.com slash the original doll on Instagram, the.original.doll. Now back to Lindy. Never again. What I want to do is, because um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, is I want to go through and kind of ask you, and this will count as those questions that I get to ask for okay. the, the charity. And I'll just throw out the artist and you just give me something like, do you remember working on it? Do you remember the song? Was there a part that you just top of top of your head? Just what you think? Okay. Uh, Cry Baby, Paloma Faith, you had worked with which of the songwriters? Well, I was working in the room. It was with this awesome Cleo um, from the six. She's from a group called The Six and um, uh, Starsmith, Finn Dow Smith, which goes by Starsmith. And we were just working on ideas for Paloma and Paloma came in and um, I think she didn't like any of the ideas we'd been working on for two days, but we had this little bit of the chorus for Cry Baby. And that was when we just literally went into like the piano room and finished it on the piano. And um, it was pretty amazing because it was, you know, first single and it was a hit in the UK and, and it was one that was kind of different for me, had a different feel. We got to use my sort of R&B, soul roots, and that one came out, kind of was great. She was, a, Blum was amazing to work with. Very passionate. Uh, JC Chazé. He's so underrated. I mean, he's got one of the best voices I've ever heard in my life. And we should have had a really, really big single with this song called You Ruined Me. And I don't remember exactly what happened. If he got dropped, it kind of got released, but there was no push. And um, he has one of the most magnificent voices I've ever heard. And I thought that that is one of my favorite songs, probably in my catalog, very underrated in, in every way. And for everyone else right now, you cannot get that on Apple or Spotify. 
So I will I will find I will see another way because like I said all these the listeners I've had I've been fortunate enough to the podcast has charted in over thirty countries on Apple Podcast. So I've had people say, "Oh my goodness, this song I finally got here! Or I didn't know it existed." So it's all these people that are getting introduced to songs that they've never heard of. You 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 have ten hours of music on Spotify. And it's I've like, even listened to the whole thing. <laughs> Rita Wilson. Well, Rita became a friend, really. She reached out to me. She does these, it's, it's like songwriters singing their songs into the story behind the songs. Um, we did some live shows. She asked me to participate in the live show. Um, it was really, really fun, especially meeting her husband and some of her friends. And we would each sing, you know, sing songs and tell stories. And um, then we just ended up writing a couple of songs. She, you know, we wrote those songs Love together. It. And we just- Love it. Yeah, she's just an amazing person. And great writer. B.B. Rexa. B.B. and I were in the room a couple of times writing. She, I love her. She's like this amazing, empowering, really supportive of women. And we just got in the room a couple of times. We were in there and we just like we're writing songs together. I mean, simple as that. For, for uh, the gay fans that you have, I have several people asking me about Hillary Duff Outlaw, Hillary Duff Night Like This. And something from the Descendant soundtrack. Uh, Night is young. Night is young. Yeah, so I mean, one <laughs> outlaw was we wrote with Ian Kirkpatrick. It was with Hillary. She's a doll. And then Toby Gad and I did the other couple of songs we did with her. She was working on an album. Um, I, I guess the album was released, but something was used on on the show Younger, which I love that show. I love the show Younger. So good. Love. So I'm good. Sad that it's over. Like love that show. Love and she's just an absolute gem. And we just that was it. We got in, we wrote songs, and those songs got used. One was using the show, a couple were released on the album. That's that's the story. I love this. Rachel Platten. Rachel, yeah, I knew Rachel from when she was kind of just starting. And um I think we wrote some songs together very early on before she really like broke big. And then when we actually, it's very sad because we wrote Collide, one of the writers was um, Busby, a very, very famous Mike Busby, who died passed Pass. at a very young age, a couple of years ago. But it was the same thing. I mean, I had written some other stuff with her early on. And then um, we just got together to write for her record and ended up doing Collide. And it was actually supposed to be a big single. And then something happened, it's often the label, somebody leaves a label or some crazy thing happens where it doesn't end up, you know, really being pushed. That happens all the time. But she's amazing that, talent. She sings, plays piano. She's a great writer. I mean, these people are just so talented. Like everybody that you've named is so talented. Well, and the common denominator is you in all of this. Oh. You've <laughs> done this. I love it. Okay, how about Selena Gomez? I mean, Selena is amazing. I mean, I haven't gotten to write with her for a couple of albums, but I did write for some of the first albums. We would just, was very, very close to the A&R person and we would just write songs and they'd be like, great, she's going to cut it. And then later she came in the room and she would tell us all kinds of stories. I mean, I don't want to tell the stories that she would tell, but it was when she was, you know, still with Justin and, and, and you know, she would 
we would write songs that were just kind of about her truth. I mean, that's my thing I try to make when I'm working with an artist like that. I try not to make it about my ego or about me. I try to listen to write down everything they're saying and where they're at in their life or something that's important to them and then make it into a song. Whereas making sure that it's something meaningful to them and it's not about me. That's what I really I love it. try to do. Like, so I know some of this Selena, some of this Selena stuff was just pure luck of like a year without rain. Toby and I wrote it. We actually wrote it originally for Leona Lewis. She did not go for it and we pitched it to- I didn't know that. Yeah, just for her, not with her, for her. And, yeah. and um, John Lind, who's one of my heroes and our person, he also chose Skyscraper, he heard it and picked it as a song for Selena. And P- Selena, and she is a great singer. I don't think she gets enough credit for how great of a singer she actually is. I, I think that what you just said is important because I feel like many people are like, if it's a pop person, if it's a Disney star, they're like, no, it's easy to do that. And it's- And sometimes they do. Sometimes there's a lot of punching in and people singing along, but Selena can sing. Cause Selena can ooh, sing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, and it's one of those, and she has like, she has that tone. Like I always think of, there's these tones that I'm always drawn to that are the storytelling yes. tones where yes. she tells the story and it's, it's this theatrical way of doing it. It's I such. Agree. Yeah, some people, it's about the voice and the range. And some people, it's about this amazing tone that you just love. And they don't have to have the huge, giant range, you know? Britney is a great example of that. See, and that I was going to say, because I love that Demi, Lo- Demi Lovato has talked about Britney Spears being, you know, one of those people she looked up to. Selena Gomez, Hillary Duff, all these people have been like, I've looked up to Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus, Rihanna, all these people where they say Britney Spears had this career where she had to go through a lot and these other girls were able to kind of go forward a little more that she really was at the front. And the thing is, I always bring up this and you know this more than more than most people is the impact of an artist at a moment is huge. It changes the landscape. And people don't realize they think Britney Spears is just, you know, just she went the pop way. The the problem is, or the thing to consider is, but then we also got the Avril's and the anti-Britney Spears and the Pinks where they yeah. were made specifically yes. as a as a opposite to them. Yes. So what would you like us as, as fans of yours and fans of your Britney Spears track Unbroken and your work, what would you like us to know? Well, I mean, I feel like I create something and then it's out to the world and it means something different to everybody. So like, I'm so moved when somebody tells me that like, I, I bring up skyscrapers specifically because one time I don't, you, I very rarely go on and read comments and all that. But one day I did and somebody said something like, I didn't throw up this morning because of that song. I didn't kill myself because of that song. Like it's helped people come out. It's, it's helped like, so that to me means so much. Whereas a want to want me can be just as important in its own way if somebody like, Oh, that reminds me, like I played it that at my wedding or it was in my, the bar mitzvah or it's just like the song that I put on to get going in the morning or, you know, there's songs like Cinderella is a really important song to me just because I wrote that song acapella in my car. Like it's the only song I've ever written acapella. I don't want to be like Cinderella, sitting in a dark, cold, dusty cellar, waiting for somebody come set me free, no. And then Kevin Savagar, who I was writing with at the time I came over and he put chords to it and we ended up collaborating on it together. But the whole lyric, all the melody, I just wrote it a cappella and it was like it really connected. And then 
couple of people had done it in Cheetah Girls and there was a dance to it. And now girls, you know, that are like 20 something will come up and be like, when I was five, we did the dance to that song. Oh. And, you know, that touches me so much. Is or, there any song that you think on, is the the one that really, cause Skyscraper hit then, you know, hits home to you, like you, you feel that. Is there a song where you're like, at the time, you didn't realize the close attachment you had to it. And it wasn't until years later that you're like. Oh, yeah. I sometimes get moved by a song and I don't, because we, I just create, I spit it out. I'm not a thinking writer. I don't come in with the, the lyrics written down, an idea. Somebody just starts playing and it just vomits out. I, it just comes out in the moment. It's always how I've done it. So it's like comes out and then I'm on to the, like the next thing. It doesn't mean that it doesn't mean something, but I've just always been that way. And so Sometimes like I'm probably going to go in the Spotify list and listen and just be like, like it just evokes a time or it evokes like for me, I think, yeah, that time that I spent like talking to Selena that day in that afternoon where it was just Toby Gad and me and Selena and Selena and I are writing songs with, you know, Demi, like we wrote a song called Warrior that was like a big, you know, started as another song, but then she wanted to write this warrior song and that became like a really empowering song and the stories that, that she would share, you know. All the pain and the truth I wear like a battle wound So ashamed, so confused I was broken and bruised Now I'm a warrior Now I've got thicker skin I'm a warrior I'm stronger than I've ever been in my eyes And, you know, One Direction, seeing them as like 16-year-olds, like swimming in Toby's pool. You know, but such dolls, but just seeing, you know, how they became so successful and how so many of these artists became so successful. Or, um, you know, Jason Derulo just being this most down-to-earth, smartest, you know, I'll always send him a song, he'll always listen, he'll always respond. He's like an amazing person. Like, I just feel really lucky. And I feel lucky that, you know, Julia Michaels and all the things that we got to do together and and there's been so many different from just Kate's and my first you know and E-Man to you know Evan Bogart and then all the, those songs and then Toby Gadden that I still write with quite a bit to the, you know Ian and Jason Evigan when they were first starting and Sean Douglas who's like a genius Sam Martin and I have had like a lot of songs together from you know just like a song like Dangerous that was not big here but David Guetta Dangerous featuring Sam was so big all over the world and I mean one night, Jason and Sam called me. I was in my car. I was like, I think it was with my mom. It was like nine o'clock. And they were like, can you come to the studio? And I'm like, you guys, you know, I hate coming to the studio at night. They're like, it'll be fast. We promise we're stuck in the lyrics. So I went to the studio. I was like, okay, like what about blah, blah, blah. Wasn't the most brilliant lyric in the world. It was really for, there are, song, there are songs that are about the lyric and there are songs that are about the whole feeling and the track and the what it evokes. And if it's international, you don't want it to be too complicated because you want it to be a language that everybody can understand. So you're not gonna be as, you're not gonna use big words or you're not gonna use obscure words, you know? But um, 
just seeing from us just being in the studio that night and be like, okay, it's 10, I need to go home. And then to suddenly, you know, it's this big number one in France and number one in Germany. And like, that's incredible to me. And I just always pinch myself and I'm always just so grateful. And I hope that there's more, you know, you never know. You always think every hit is your last hit, but you know, P pentatonics was my most recent thing. And that was a big deal for me because I love them. And then I got they're to be so in the room. They're beyond, they're good to the point that you're like, I can't understand how people can do this. And I got to write with Scott and Mitch in the room with Martin Sorgi, who's from Norway, who's brilliant. And they wanted to write something personal about their life. And we spent three hours and got to sit there and I got to help them realize something which was, you know, meaningful and now is meaningful to the fans. And like that to me is amazing because they're actually great writers, but to help them and to have Martin there who's playing the chords and to help them get out this thing, which is personal to them like that. And like, it's funny because skyscraper I bring up because it existed pre when she used it, but it ended up being her way of telling her story, you know? So that to me is means it just means so much. Well, and it's it's for any person to have one of those songs that you referenced, they would be like, I'm good. You consistently keep coming back, throwing curveballs. You keep giving us songs. It's like, wait, you're with Dua Lipa? You, and it's just like, I just look at your career that's going to keep going more and more and more and more decades. I hope I'm not going to And I just look at it and I go, What's great is that I feel like you're not pigeonholed into one specific thing because well, you've had global hits, you've had always, hits here. Yeah, they always tried to pigeonhole me in the beginning. In the beginning, I was a big ballad writer because it was like what's left of me and incomplete. And I think I had the Clay Aiken and she's the ballad writer. Then it was like the whatever the next thing was. And oh, she just writes like pop ditties. And then it was like, then I got to the point where it's like, okay, well, then it was like I had some R&B stuff and I had like a, you know, so now and then the, the going back to like Andrew McDonald or, you know, and that's when I first was in New York and I was, you know, more in the theater scene and I was trying to be an actress and I got to write with some Adam Gatto who's at a Tony award-winning you know amazing mind-blowingly brilliant composer and I got to write with Stephen Schwartz and I got to write with you know these amazing that's how I used to do it I'd write the lyric on the page and give it to them but I always heard melodies and I always wanted to be a pop writer so that's why in 1997 I moved back to LA and I said I want to write pop songs I had no idea how it was going to happen but that's what was always in my head um, but I love theater. I'm a huge theater fan. I love, you know, I'd love to to write for a movie. I feel like, I mean, I'm not a hip hop writer. I've never tried to be. I could write a hook for a hip hop song, a pop hook. But, um, you know, I feel like I just love, I love, I love doing R&B, you know, soul. Like, so any, you know, it just keeps it fresh for me. I think not doing what genre is what's kept me inspired all these years of like, okay, Okay, today's pop song. Tomorrow we're going to do a heartfelt ballad or then we're going to do like a dance thing or we're going to do, you know, like, I mean, I love driver's license. Driver's license blows my mind because it's almost like a song from a show. And I love that it's been number now. I think it just fell off number one, but I'm like, wow, this is, there's core changes and big melodies and it's heartfelt. And like, I'm a fangirl of that song because I'm hoping that also it's going to change. No disrespect to Billie Eilish, who I think is brilliant, but like I've had a lot of the same kind of yep. singers. I'm ready for some like range and emotion. And like, like you said, how Britney 
inspired like the anti-Britney's and I yep. was a huge Alanis fan and Avril and pop rock I'm like you know so now I think we're gonna hopefully see some interesting it's gonna be interesting to see you know the anti-Eilish kind of she's gonna still have to do her thing because she's totally she's yep. of a kind only she can do what she does but you know what I mean there's a lot of kind of so I'm excited for some big voices to come back and so for everyone, so Pentatonix, The Lucky One, is the newest single. Do you have anything else that we can be looking for in the next couple months that I you can wish, mention? I hope so. I mean, it changes every day. I think the the pandemic has kind of slowed stuff down a little bit. Um, so, you know, there's always like, oh, so-and-so loves this song and we hope they're going to cut it. Yeah. This right now, but there's nothing solid and I'm like very superstitious. But I totally and I always think I've had my last hit. I've been like that, you know, since number one. So <laughs> so I hope I'm I'm still writing all the time. I wrote today, you know, I wrote I'm working and stuff all the time and I still love it. I'm still inspired. Um, so many new artists. I'm always looking for, you know, new writers. Like there's a lot of new writers I've been working with from London that, you know, just interesting Stockholm, Norway, Nashville. Um, it's fascinating to me. And there's Nashville stuff too. I've had some country stuff. I'm not a country writer. Like I had a big hit called Day Drunk that was really big. Uh, Morgan Evans, it was really big in, in Australia. But like, I love that world when I just do what I do. I had uh, Keith Urban recently. I thought that that should have been used for. I'm a really big fan of Say Something. And I thought it was really, really important song. And I wish that it would have been used more or released at that moment. Um. It's sort of and, and I look, song. Well, and that's the thing. I look at it and I just go, you've worked with these heavy hitters and you've worked with new, new newcomers, beginners and everything. And it's what I feel like even just talking to you in this time, which thank you so much for, for oh, talking to me, is I love the fact that I'm talking to you and I don't, I'm not like, I don't have this ego thrown in my face. Like I'm better than you for this. Oh, so I think of, I think of, if I were a young recording artist, you would be the person I would want to work with because you're making me feel so relaxed and you're just being open and you have this positivity and this energy that I think we need. And if you are able to keep telling people stories, I'm going to be a happy camper because you've done it, you've done it well, and we know we're going to have more from you. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. So before I let you go, I played Unbroken for Lindy Robbins to uh, get her reaction right away. So I played it, and here is what followed afterwards and her final thoughts on Unbroken. Now the other thing is don't forget, follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll, on Patreon, patreon.com, slash theoriginaldoll, and hit me up on Twitter, at James Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. Uh, you can find that one. It's the one that Britney Spears and the producer of Unbroken, Fraser T. Smith, they follow my account. So go ahead and, uh, braggadocious, go ahead and follow me on there. Thank you so much and enjoy Lindy's reaction to the Britney Spears song that we all love, Unbroken. Unbroken. So, memories? You know, it almost, it makes me a little bit sad because when I hear it with fresh ears, I'm like, that should have been a hit. It should have been a hit. Like I forgot, I have to be honest. I hear so many old songs of mine. I've been trying to organize my catalog. I'm going through thousands of songs and I'd be like, oh my 
God, I never want it. Trash, trash. But that one, I'm like, oh my God, that was really good. I think, you know, it's painful sometimes. So you don't listen to it as much because you're like, oh, that song should, you know, got caught in the politics of, it was just politics. So many, so many times it is. And it just makes me almost a little bit sad, but it also makes me proud because that's really good. <laughs> I, it forgot. Is, it, I forgot how good that was. And, and, you know, there's so many songs that were four people or three people or five people. But that was just Frazier and I, just the two of us in the room, just the two of us that hashed that out. So it makes it, I love it more meaningful to me. But this one, when I listen to it, it almost makes me a little wistful of like, wow, it really, that wasn't the right thing. Like, they should have released the best song, you know, but it's so subjective. Music is so subjective. So you can't really. 10 years later, do you still love it as much as you did when you did it 10 years ago? I think I love it more. I think I love it more now because I'm looking back and going, well, that was really good. Where I'm telling you many times I'd be like, oh, take my name off it, please. So I don't always think that I really don't. Sometimes I'm embarrassed, like, please don't ever play that again. You know, it just sounds oh my dated. God. There's things that just sound really dated or, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud. I love it. It makes me really happy. Not everything is about money. You know, I mean, of course, we all need to get paid and we talked about that, but sometimes it's about something finding, you know, there are movies that were never big movies, but they have this like cult following. So like, that means a lot to me. It means it really does means a lot to me that people have resurrected this forgotten song, which was kicked aside for some reasons nobody will know and made it into this just, you know, that the fans really appreciate it. And I'm going to go when we're done, I'm going to go listen to it a couple of times. Well, so Lindy, thank you so much for being here today on the original Dolph. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your art and your heart with the world. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Once again, I'm going to be putting up the Apple playlist featuring Lindy Robbins songs on the free tier, the public tier, if you will, for Patreon. So patreon.com slash the original doll. Um, and be on the lookout over the next few weeks and actually the next couple months, I have more conversations with other femme fatale writers. So be on the lookout. We also have a great music producer that is coming in. So make sure you subscribe. Subscribe on whatever your preferred platform is. Apple Podcast is fantastic. If you want to go old school, go www.theoriginaldoll.com. And if you have any questions or suggestions about future topics, reach out to me. So thank you so much, all the patrons. Thank you so much for being on Patreon. Uh, big shout out to Dawn. Hope you're doing well. Shout out to Tommy, uh, Tyler, uh, Steve, Woller. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Lindy, thank you so much for spending time with the original doll. And don't forget, everyone, items will be donated to different charities with each of these episodes. So make sure to follow, subscribe, so you get notified right away. See you on the flip side. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stay and then follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars you see? Don't you want my iconography? Yeah.